Good morning. Uh, my name's Charlie. I'm one of the ministers here, and it's, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, for those of you who are expecting a series on Leviticus, I'm sorry. Um, I did say uh, a while back that we were going to be looking at Leviticus this autumn, and I'd still like to do that at some stage. But a number of people started talking to me about the theme of wisdom. And, you know, over the last month or so, I thought, you know what, we really need to look at this. We really need to get into this at Bessels in the autumn. So we're starting a new series, um, Jesus, Wisdom Teacher, and it's going to take us through up to Christmas. And why is wisdom so important at the moment? (laughs) Is it just me or has the world gone mad? Yeah, it is happening. Yeah, thank you. And if Ian says it, then it must be true. I just, yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I realised actually a couple of months ago that I was starting to get feeling quite anxious about the the, the state of of politics in our country, the state of politics in the world. And I went through a season of, no, I mean, normally Sarah and I will watch the the 10 o'clock news headlines, then we're off to bed because we're of that age now. But, um, but I just started turning it off before the headlines, because I'm thinking, I, it's just affecting the way I'm sleeping, and I'm getting frustrated at what I'm reading in and hearing in our news, in politics. But not only in politics, also in economics. Um, I, I read the other day that an increasing number of jumbo jets are leaving from Heathrow and from Gatwick with just a handful of people on board flying to Russia and flying to China, privately owned planes that fly individuals and their families halfway across the world. The gap between the richest and the poorest seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger, with the top 1% owning the same as the bottom 50%. Has our world gone mad? Particularly when you think about uh, the challenges with climate changes and trying to reduce the amount we're flying. Should a jumbo jet ever fly with only a few people on board? And then there are the newsstands. With all this going on in the world, there is a whole section of our press that seems to be obsessed with what Kim Kardashian wore last month. You know the stuff, don't you? Uh, The gossip press. Uh, It's given the same space on our newsstands as, as the refugee crisis, as melting ice caps. And I just wonder, what is lacking? What is it that is lacking in our world at the moment? And I came to the conclusion that it is wisdom. That it is depth. That it is wisdom's gift. And that is being grounded and centred in life. It's a connection to what, is, to what is really important in the world. And letting that be our focus. It is wisdom. And there is a wisdom tradition, an ancient wisdom tradition that's found in the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament in these three books. The book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job. Together, they're often referred to by scholars as wisdom literature. And uh, and Proverbs is the obvious first place to start. You'll you'll recognise Proverbs. It's things like, uh, you know, if you work hard, you will be wealthy and fortune will shine upon you. But if you're lazy, then your life will be a disaster. Things like uh, treat, uh, treat your children, parent properly, treat your children firmly, discipline them, teach them the ways and they will love you when you're old. And conservative folks look at the book of Proverbs and they go, oh yes, I knew that was always the way. Perfect. 
That's the way it is. And then you get to Ecclesiastes and Job. And Ecclesiastes and Job is what the world is like when Proverbs stop working. When you've done all the right things, when you've done all the parenting stuff, when you've followed all the rules and it's still gone wrong. And that's the message of Job and the message of Ecclesiastes. And actually the wisdom literature, because it isn't actually wisdom isn't about a conservative approach to life. It isn't about a liberal approach to life. It's possible to be a conservative fool and a liberal fool. Wisdom is about something that transcends both of those. And we need to hold together the wisdom of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Job. And I believe Andy is going to say a little bit more about that next week. So together they make up what is known as the ancient wisdom tradition. But you've been sitting passively for far too long. So I'd like you to get your phones out, please. If you've got a phone with you, could you please get your phones out? Turn to the person next to you, small, form small groups of two or three, and I want the first group that can find me the answers to these questions. What is the mass of the moon? What is Planck's constant? And what is Xerodermia pigmentosum, more commonly known as? Go. Are we doing, are we there? Do you think we've got them? Okay, there's a few. So let's, uh, let's go through the answers, shall we? My point isn't going to be spoilt if you haven't got all three. So who's got the mass of the moon? Somebody shout it out. Nick. To the power of 22. Correct. Give Will a round of applause. From now on, I want Will in my pub quiz team. What is Planck's constant? Andrew. That is correct. Give Andrew a round of applause. And, uh, well, we're getting on to that. Thank you. We're getting on to that. What is Xerodermia zero, pigmentosum more commonly known as? I've put the answer up, didn't I? It's an, an allergy to light. It's often colloquially known as vampire syndrome. Information is everywhere. What would have been the chances of you getting those questions right on your pub quiz team without your mobile phones? And, and, and more important... <coughs> yeah, no, we don't want to hear about cheating in pub quiz teams. It's one thing to know what Planck's constant is, but I guess no one here other than Ian and perhaps Roland have an idea of how to use it or what Planck's constant is all about. We, we are not short of information anymore, are we? What we're short of is how to use information wisely and how to use it properly. You know, wisdom is more than knowledge and it is more than IQ. You can, uh, you can take an IQ test to measure your intellect, but there is no test for wisdom. We all know people who are quick and who are smart, but that aren't wise. I used to have a friend at school who was an was a incredibly high-flying academic, phenomenal at music, got a commendation for his music oral, but totally lacked common sense. If anyone was going to run out in front of a football straight in the road in front of a bus, it was going to be him. Wisdom is more than knowledge or IQ. And actually, just as a quick aside, while we're looking up things on the internet... Um, facts and opinions in our world are getting increasingly mixed up all the time. 
And it's thanks to the internet. I, I love this scene. We used Inside Out. Do you remember over the summer we used the film? My favourite quote in Inside Out comes in this tiny little scene in the middle where they've jumped on the train of thought and um, Joy accidentally knocks over two boxes, one box containing facts, one box containing opinions, and they get muddled up. And there's a throwaway comment. Oh, that happens all the time these days. We'll watch it now. Just one throwaway line. You know, uh, it's worth saying and worth reinforcing with your children and with your teenagers, when you come to search something on the internet, facts and opinions are constantly mixed up, and we need to be wise about evaluating the information that's coming to us these days. And that doesn't just go for information, that also goes for sermons and Christian content. You know, it's possible we put our sermons online. In fact, I would imagine most churches around the world put their sermons online. You can go onto Google and you could search for a sermon about almost anything you want. Um, I don't know if these are good or bad sermons. I just plugged sermons into YouTube and took a screen grab. These might be great. These might be rubbish. Just because it says it's a sermon doesn't mean it's a good one. Remember, every point of view is a view from a point. So everyone is coming from a perspective. So let's be wise, people. When we're, when we're evaluating, when we're listening to stuff, when we're listening to teaching from around the world, go to the, about, go to the page of the church that it's coming from. Look about them. Look at their values. Look at their, what they're doing in the world. Look at their statement of faith before you jump on board with the next idea that comes up in a sermon that you found on Google. So it's more than wisdom. It's also more than moral rules. Now, I don't think wisdom is ever less than moral rules, but it can often be more than that. Because, you see, moral rules don't cover what we need to do in every situation. We know that if you've been around more than a couple of years. You know, I had, a, I had some friends in my previous church, a, a couple, um, heroin addicts, and I got to know them reasonably well. And there was a season in their lives where they... That they'd, they'd run out of food and things were quite hard. So I, being the good Christian, I, I took them shopping and bought them a couple of bags of food. And then the next week did the same thing again. It was only later on that I realised that me buying them food was enabling them to spend the money that they were getting on their addiction. Now, the, the wise, the, the, the moral right Christian thing for me to do was, well, they were hungry, I'm going to help them out with food. But actually, psychologists tell us that's a relationship called codependency. You know, I was feeling good. I was able to make myself feel good by being a good Christian and buying them food. And they were able to get free food and they were happy about that because they got to spend their money on their addiction. What would wisdom say? We have the moral rule, you know, help people feed the hungry. But actually, the application of it takes wisdom. Does that make sense? More than knowledge, more than IQ, more than simple morality. And of course, there are all sorts of questions that, that, that moral rules don't like. Who should I marry? What career should I take? There's not a simple test you can do for these things. It takes wisdom. Which is why the book of Proverbs says we should seek wisdom. We should seek wisdom more than silver. A head of gold, it's better than jewels. Nothing compared. We need to seek wisdom more than we seek money more than we seek fame, more than we seek success. Because I guess we all know people who are, who are rich, who are famous, um, who seem successful, but have crashed out of life miraculously badly. 
You know, somebody on a, on a stage who seems to have is a quick thinking, intelligent person who crashes out of life by tweeting something ridiculous or sending an inappropriate photograph of themselves to their secretary. Why does that happen? Not because they lacked intelligence, but they lacked wisdom. A lack of wisdom. We are to seek wisdom. Um, I looked for several definitions of wisdom. This is the best one I came across. It's German theologian Gerhard von Rad from a few years ago, but he describes wisdom as this, becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. Becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. Confident to deal with life the way it is. In all of its complexity, in all of its confusion, becoming competent at life. Did you see the second part of that reading? The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, at the first of his acts long ago. Ages ago I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there no depths I was brought forth, when there no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth. That echoes for me that Von Rand quote about the realities of life. Wisdom is baked in. It's the way things are. It's being competent with regard to the way the world actually works. Not the way we want it to work. Not the way we think it should work. But the way that it actually does work. Wisdom is baked into the creation. I love the way Rob Bell puts it. It's the base. It's the base frequencies. You know, uh, we live in a world full of treble, don't we? Lots of noise. Lots of hissy noise. And actually, when we seek wisdom, we're seeking the base, the depth, the groundedness, the centeredness, the being. Uh, the word in Proverbs is chokmah, and it's feminine. And you'll see all the way through the book of wisdom that, uh, the book of Proverbs, that wisdom is referred to as a woman. In fact, there are two women in the book of Proverbs there is Lady Wisdom and there is Lady Folly. Uh, Wisdom was written as a manual for uh, men, preparing men, probably for a court, but it was written to prepare men. So these two characters are both presented as women. Uh, Folly is the adulterous woman and you shouldn't follow her. And and, and wisdom is the woman you should follow, your example. Uh, In fact, she's described in Proverbs 7 at this chapter 4, say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend. I love the way that's done. I love the wisdom of the Bible to personify this idea of wisdom. As she is someone... So it's not, it's not just a set of facts, but it's somebody you walk with and journey with and have a relationship with. Somebody, Proverbs paints the picture of wisdom being for you. She wants joy in your life. She wants you to flourish. She wants you to find peace. She is your sister. She wants good things for you. So journey with her. Get to know her. Wisdom is your sister. 24 times in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is also described as a path. You know, I think many of us wish that wisdom was simply a switch. That you could switch wisdom on or off as and when you needed it. But it's not. Wisdom is a path. And and what do I think the writer of of Proverbs is getting at? Well, 
With a path you walk it, step by step, day after day. You journey along the path. And it takes time to reach your destination. It's not a switch that you can turn on and off instantly. But wisdom is learned as we go through life. As we walk through life, step by step, faithfully walking with her alongside you. It's not impossible to find a really wise 18-year-old. But it is quite rare. Apart from me, obviously, I knew everything when I was 18. Actually, there is something about life, something about walking the road that teaches us wisdom and that we learn it as we go. It's not something that's learned instantly overnight. It's something that develops with time. And there's a reason that we have elders. Elders are those who have walked the path and who have let it shape and form them. And we call them elders for a reason. Now, I have to say, not everyone who is old becomes an elder. Some people just get old. There is a big difference. Um, I was at a meeting in London at The Elders this week. Uh, it's a friend of Andy's, actually, who's the CEO, and I went to meet him to talk about something for church for January. But I was at their office. The Elders were set up by Nelson Mandela a few years ago. Include Jimmy Carter, Desmond Tutu, um, a number of others. And they get together at various places around the world at several times just to try to speak wisdom into our world. Because, boy, do we need those voices that have learned along the way. And what is it that I think makes people elders and not just old people? It's a teachable spirit. Proverbs says time and time again about the importance of being the willingness to learn, to be instructed, to be shaped, to allow your circumstances to change you, to become wise, to be teachable. You want to be wise? Become teachable. Become somebody who is constantly willing to learn and be shaped by it. And the truth is often our best teachers are our struggles. And we spend our life trying to push them away because we don't want struggle and difficulty and heartache and hardship and failure in our lives. But actually, often, wisdom is found coming through those times. Uh, one of my favourite authors, a guy called Richard Raw, wrote a book called Falling Upwards. And it's about this idea of allowing the times we fall, the times we stumble, to be our teachers through which we grow. You know, it's, uh, I've said it before, it's true. No one ever said to me, I, I really grew this year. I bought myself a new Porsche. Things you don't hear. People said to me, I really grew this year because such and such happened. I lost my job and I had to spend six months doing this. And at the time, you think it's terrible. You time the world has fallen apart. It's, it's the end of everything. But you talk to people six months later and actually that was the thing that caused me to grow and stretch me and shape me and teach me. Often, so often wisdom is found through struggle. So there are these four books in the Old Testament. There are Proverbs, there is Ecclesiastes, and there's Job's, the wisdom books. But there's a fourth book that only makes it into a few of our Bibles because it's in a, book of, a section of the Bible called the Apocrypha. Now, the Apocrypha is a selection of books that, that sit between the New and Old Testament and they're in the Catholic Bible and then the Orthodox Bible and the Protestants threw them out. Um, we don't include them as, as central to our scripture, but according to the Anglican Church, they're okay for, for teaching advice from time to time. So there's a book called The Wisdom of Sirach. 
And Sirach 51 says this, draw near to me, you who are uneducated, and lodge in the house of instruction. Why do you say you're lacking these things? Why do you endure such great thirst? I opened my mouth and said, acquire wisdom for yourselves without money. Put your neck under her yoke and let your souls receive instruction. It is to be found close by. See it with your eyes that I've laboured but little and found myself much serenity. The book of Sirach, the yoke, by the way, was the teaching of a rabbi. So when you talk about living under the teachings of somebody, you would talk in Old Testament language of living under their yoke. So now hear this from Jesus a few centuries probably later. Come to me, all you that are weary and that are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sirach was talking about wisdom, and Jesus is talking about himself. Come to me and find my yoke, find wisdom in me. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's what we're going to be doing over these next few months up to Christmas. Uh, Next week, Andy is going to be exploring a bit more about Jesus as a wisdom teacher who comes out of this wisdom tradition. And I fully believe that is the case. Jesus is somebody who comes out of this wisdom, a rabbi out of this wisdom tradition in the Old Testament. He knew Proverbs. He knew Ecclesiastes. He knew Job's. He knew, knew the book of Job. And as he teaches, he teaches with a wisdom and authority. And we're going to look at what are known as the sayings of Jesus. You're probably familiar with the parables. You're probably familiar with Jesus's miracles. Well, there's another category that scholars identify called his sayings. And they read a bit like, par- like, um, parable, like um, proverbs or aphorisms. Short sayings that Jesus comes out with. Things like, love your enemies. Become like little children. You will be known by your fruit. Uh, Little sayings about wealth and contentment and the challenge to take up your cross. So as we come to Christmas, we're going to journey with Jesus, the teacher. And we're going to look for wisdom in the teachings of Jesus. And how he draws on that wisdom tradition in the Old Testament. And I've been exciting preparing this because I think there's really good stuff in here for us to look at. Stuff we need to hear at the moment that our society badly needs to hear about wisdom. But jumping to the very end of the series as we come to Christmas and giving you a bit of a spoiler, you remember the Proverbs 8? The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of long ago. What did that remind you of when you heard it read? It reminded me of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, and the Word was with God. And in the beginning... Oh, sorry, I've read that wrong. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. You see, Jesus is a teacher of wisdom. He is a wisdom teacher, and there is great wisdom to be found in his words. But actually, the Christian confession is that Jesus is more than that. That the Christ who we meet in Jesus is more than that. That this wisdom that was baked into creation from the beginning, that this wisdom that is personified as a woman in Proverbs, that we can actually meet 
and journey with and have a relationship with that wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom itself. So that's where we're going over the next few weeks. So I hope you're, I hope you're looking forward to it. I hope you're with us on it. Um, in a world, if the world feels to you like it's gone mad, which it does to me, politics, economics, tabloid media, or if, if your world feels like it's falling apart, perhaps a relationship has gone south or is going south, or your finances are in a mess, or work is a particular struggle at the moment. We want to find wisdom from Jesus that will speak into these situations for each one of us as we stop and as we pause and as we take a deep breath and as we seek wisdom. I love this painting. I, we're not allowed to use, obviously, copyrighted material on the website. We'd have to pay for it. But I wrote to the artist a couple of weeks ago and said, please, can I use your painting of Jesus on our website? And she wrote me back a lovely email saying, yes, she'd be delighted and giving us permission to use it. I love this picture of Jesus. But more than that, I love these words that Eugene Peterson translates. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Found in the wisdom of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the wisdom that we find in the Bible. We thank you for the Old Testament ancient wisdom tradition that is found in Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, and in Job. And Jesus, we thank you for the way you took that tradition and you taught it, and you breathed fresh life into it. But more than that, the way you inhabited wisdom itself for us. That in the chaos of our lives and in the madness we see around us and in all that's going on in our news and our world at the moment, that we might stop, pause, take a deep breath and find guidance and depth and base and substance to our lives that will ground us and centre us on you and your love. That will find calm for the storm and peace for our troubled minds as we seek your wisdom and your goodness and grace for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.